are sick and tired of the killings of young men and women in our communities. It is up to us to take a stand and demand that they stop killing us. We don't need sympathy. We need everyone to respect our lives. We're going to stand up as a community and fight against anyone who believes that murder or any violent action by those who are sworn to protect us should consistently go unpunished. These robberies of lives make us feel helpless and hopeless, but we have to believe that we are fighting for the rights of the next generation, for the next men and women who believe in good. This is a human fight, no matter your race, gender, or sexual orientation. This is a fight for anyone who feels marginalized, who is struggling for freedom and human rights. This is not a plea to all police officers, but toward any human being who fails to value life. The war on people of color and all minorities needs to be over. Fear is not an excuse. Hate will not win. We, have, we all have the power to channel our anger and frustration into action. We must use our voices to contact the politicians and legislators in our districts and demand social and judicial changes. While we pray for the families of Alton Sterling and Philando Castile, we will also pray for an end to this plague of injustice in our communities. Click in to contact the politicians and legislators in your area. Your voice will be heard. Beyonce. Beyonce. We at war. We at war with terrorism, racism, but most of all, we at war with ourselves. So, this week's episode will be about things have been dominating our news headlines all week it's everywhere you there's facebook twitter news you can't you can't hide from it phone calls right. you know old-fashioned ways you know phone calls <laughs> emails it's everywhere but before we go further we'd like to acknowledge that it is okay it's normal it's human to have feelings about these situations it's fine to be upset sad angry frustrated fed up flustered etc and no we won't give a cliche saying about turning pain into a movement it's totally fine to express your feelings but also it's okay to de-plug to unplug to move away and do whatever you can for your own mental health retain your joy the best way that you can so on Tuesday night, I watched a video at about 2 a.m. First, Danielle called me at about 1230 in tears. and I was so upset. I was so sad. And she said, well, I texted you and you didn't answer. I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and, I and so then she said, have you seen the video? I said, no, I haven't. And she was like, oh, it's brutal. So I'm thinking that Danielle's probably exaggerating a little bit. Well, I to be fair, I said that it was brutal without even watching it. I had re like read where people had been talking about instance of someone being killed by by the police and I I'd made a commitment to myself and a decision in regards to my personal mental health that I would no longer watch any vid videos of someone being killed black bodies are not here the death of black bodies is not a form of entertainment i understand that some people feel the need to watch it so that they it's very real for people and we also understand that often if there is no videotape then there's no way that the opposition believes that that it could have been the officer's fault or it it, it was murder but I but we, all, we also see videotapes and, and... And nothing happens, yeah. But I couldn't watch it. So when I told him that it was brutal, I did preface it by saying I didn't watch. I can't. I turned off all the autoplay on all of my forms of social media. I can't. I have to click on something in order to watch it. So I watched it at about 2.30. And I, I couldn't do it. And it was... So the video that we are referencing is the video of Alton Sterling. So I watched it about 2.30 and I found myself watching it over and over 
and over again. And being one of your co-hosts of Ain't No Free Lunch, mm-hmm. I was really, really trying to see the perspective or the justification for the police officers to use lethal force. And I kept watching it and I couldn't find anything. And finally I said, Hey, I'm gonna try to go to, I'm gonna try to go to bed. And I found myself up pretty much all night. Like, I think I, I caught myself falling asleep one time. I think you texted me at three in the morning. I think I saw I, it the next yeah, day. It was like four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, w- I was really, I was really battling with my feelings. And so Tykeen Cooper, he, he does not talk about his feelings often. Like to anyone. And for the sake of being transparent, like I'm really, really trying to be better about it now. It's hard to be vulnerable, I but, think, for a lot of people. And especially for men. Just society dictates it. But like at that moment I was like, man, like, you know, I, I texted a few of my nephews and a few of the younger guys was like, Hey man, you know, just want you to know I love you. And so I really want to talk about today a little bit. So we know that Alton Sterling has become a national name, right? Unfortunately. Unfortunately, for all of the wrong reasons. Right. But he was the 558th person to be killed by a police officer this year. And we haven't heard any names about any of the rest of them. You know, this was pretty much the first one that really garnered traction. And some of these have been just as... Br- I, I don't want to say possibly even more brutal, but... Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to rank atrocity. Right, but it, it's been some pretty brutal cases this year. Yeah, no, there there have been a lot. Like, I read something about the South Carolina trooper. I His name is Escaping Me, who shot a man after he told him to give him his license and registration. Oh, in Columbia. Yeah, that in was South last, Carolina. That was last year. Oh, it was last year? Yeah. It's I think just, they just went to court, though. Oh, it's it's just been too many. <laughs> I but mean, the, I mean, honestly, probably the worst one that I've heard was Ronnie Shumpert okay. in Tupelo, Mississippi, mm-hmm. who was under a house. You know, he had allegedly had taken off running from the police, was under a house. The canine came, ruptured his testicles. And then when he took off running, then the officer shot him four times. So he was really, I mean, pain and suffering goes to a different level. You know, after a K-9 attacks you and then you're shot, like th- that's brutal. I'm just really struggling with words today, if I'm going to be extremely you? honest. <laughs> I am. I I feel like there's so much to be said, but at the same time, I feel like what are we saying that hasn't already been said by so many people for so many years? You don't want to feel like no one's listening, but that's the way that it feels. And so as I search for words, it's hard for me to come up with something that I feel like will finally make someone listen. So for me... That night, I did go to sleep. It took me some time. I'm an early bird. Anybody who knows me knows that 9.30. She's a a grandmother. 9.30, I'm out. (laughs) I'm tired. Don't contact me. Don't text me. Don't, don't. You won't get a response till the next morning. But you can slide in her DMs. Oh, my gosh. She's always always proposing that people slide in my DMs. Either way, I'm asleep if they come in after 9.30. For me, I saw the name... And I kind of just wanted to try and ignore it. I think I tweeted something along the lines of like, I cannot talk about black death tonight. Like I just, I can't. And I went and I found funny videos, but it kept bothering me and it kept bothering me. So I went back and I started reading about the video. Like I said, I refused to, I don't know the last video that I've watched regarding someone being killed. And so I had like a lot of emotions as you know Coop said that I called him basically in tears and I just didn't know what to do or what to say and I think one of the things that I've been struggling with it and I 
has been a relationship with someone that's very close to me. My brother is currently serving in serving in prison for the murder or the uh, he's been convicted of first degree murder of someone else, particularly a black man. And I often get really frustrated with a lot of the people who are saying that, you know, you should be concerned more with black on black crime, which I will probably turn up about later on. But I needed to get out what I had to say in a productive manner. And so I just wrote. So from about 12.30 a.m. to like 2 a.m., I wrote and I wrote and I wrote. I sent it to a couple of friends to get edited and then sent it off to the Huffington Post and it got published. So yeah, so I saw that while we're here, let's just talk about that a little bit. Why did the the hashtag, because you didn't even see the video and you no, reading didn't. about the video, why did that push you to write about your family member? I don't even know. I can't exactly give a reason why this particular case is what drove. I think it was just the piling up of things because that's just kind of like every time something like this happens, the response is always the same. Well, if he hadn't done this or blah, 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 you should have been more concerned about black on black death. We can't ask people to respect us when we don't respect ourselves. And most people who know me don't know that that's a relationship that I have with someone else. So I don't know. I I can't give a reason, but something in me kind of just broke. What, What did you hope to accomplish by writing it? Well, originally when I wrote it, it wasn't my intention to have it published. It was my intention to just kind of like write it, print it, stick it in the journal that I have (laughs) and just have it be something that was really personal to me. But I think there's power in vulnerability. That's something that I'm learning most recently. I up up until most recently, I've my emotional intelligence has been like at about a zero. But over the course of time, I've grown as a person and I know that there are other people who are going through the same things that I am. And what I wanted people to understand is that my love for someone who has committed an atrocity doesn't take away my right to say that I believe that Black Lives Matter. And that's the narrative that I get over and over again is you're not allowed to value Black lives if you also value this person who's within the criminal justice system. So... I don't, I don't know. I can't say that I really had a purpose or an account. Like I said, I wrote it for myself. And then I told you that it was something that I felt like I needed to share. Mostly because most people who know me don't know about that relationship up until recently. And I'm really happy that I had it published. It's called Alton Sterling and Black Death, The Capability to Love and Fight at the Same Time. I've had a number of people inbox me on Facebook or message me or email me saying that they were really happy that it was published. So so let me ask you this question. Have you had any trolls or anyone say, hey, it was insensitive for you to publish it on the same day that Alton Sterling or why would you try to cluster this specific case? uh, I've had nothing but like, support and love from everyone that I know. I think most people who might have negative comments to make have just for the better for better or worse have kept them to themselves. I don't know. I think that even if I had had people have negativity, I was actually almost expecting that. I was bra- I was already braced for that. But I've had so many people tell me that you know they're super proud of me for being this vulnerable, that they never thought of it in that way. I had someone whose sister is about to go on trial for murdering an ex-boyfriend, and she inboxed me and was like, you made it me feel okay with still loving my sister. And I think that that, that to me is more important than a, any type of like pushback or trolling right. that I could have gotten. Okay. So, so just, you know, I, I like to kind of delve into that piece in a, a little bit later yeah we'll do that um, another time but i just wanted to throw it out there check right. it out it's on the huffington post so alton sterling was at a convenience store in baton rouge louisiana a convenience store that he was often at selling cds right allegedly there was a 911 call about a man with a gun we don't know if the 911 call was specifically about 
if they identified Mr. Sterling or not. But whether it was about someone else. Right. So allegedly, you know, to this day we still don't know for sure if Mr. Sterling had a gun. But let's just go with the assumption that he did have one. Well, yeah, right. As of right now, that's what's being reported is that there was a firearm that was found in his pocket after he was I watched the videos. Uh, I mean, I can't tell. You. It was something in his pocket, but I don't know if it was a firearm. Right, or not. right. You know, n- no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like that's the narrative right, right now. He had. They allegedly found a gun on him after he was basically executed, which I, I have feelings about. In in the words of Justice Clarence Thomas, Ugh, oh my gosh, please go. I'd on. argue that it's a high tech lynching, go. but <laughs> nevertheless. There are a few issues with with the narrative that we're hearing, right? Louisiana is an open carry state, which means that it's not uncommon to see people walking around with weapons of their choice. On their hip. On their hip. In their hand. On their hand, <laughs> on their shoulder, etc. So, from what I saw in the video, as soon as the officers approach Mr. Sterling... Like, one officer tackled him. And I don't mean, like, a defensive tackle. Like, this was... It It really looked like... Have you ever watched a rodeo and how they, like, try to tackle cattle? Yeah. For the sport? Like, that's how he was tackled. Like, oh, it was wow. brutal. Like, Again, I haven't seen it, but... I, I mean, honestly, it would be considered an illegal hit in the National Football League because the officer definitely led with the crown of his head. Wow. So he was tackled. And then a struggle ensued. The two officers were on top of him. And they told him if he grabbed for it, that they would shoot him immediately. Um, And I never saw him. I mean, I feel like he was under control. And I understand that if an officer feels like he's in imminent danger, that they have probable cause to use lethal force. But I didn't feel like the officer was in imminent danger, which is definitely subjective. And I understand that we're playing Monday morning quarterback here. Right. But I think we can use common sense as well and say, hey, you know, two of you all on top of this, man, you can mace him, you could tase him. Like you have other things that you could do. Like the weapon, your firearm should be your last resort. But this is this is my issue with whether or not like the discussion of whether or not he resisted possibly while he was down there. You know, they they said if you reach for anything, it's a natural reaction that when you are being held down, especially in an uncomfortable position, that you move. Has anybody with an older sibling knows that being pinned down you resist. It's, yes. it's yeah, natural. Mean, it's you. You can ask my mom. You know, <laughs> my dad and I. We broke a, a kitchen table. Like he tried to like hold me down as a joke for one Thanksgiving, and like we broke a chair and stuff. Right, and and I'm saying like everybody who's saying he shouldn't have resisted, he shouldn't have resisted. If you have been taken down in the way that he's been taken down by anyone, I don't care who it is, you have natural like fearful bodily reactions that cause you to move. And even if he was intentionally resisting, he is being pinned down by two other officers. Two. So if you're being held down, please tell me where the magical Negro trope like comes to play. Like I don't understand why everyone thinks that we are these bastions of brute force. <laughs> that we can just overpower anyone and then still be able to reach for a gun. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And so something that was troubling to me, the officers shot him four times, right? And then they started screaming obscenities. Mm-hmm. And no one ever offered him or rendered any type of first aid. That's because they weren't trying to save him. That wasn't the intention. And then once they realized that he was dead, then they they had to actually dig in their pocket for whatever they got out. What some people presume is the weapon. They they had to dig in his pocket. So it wasn't like it was something that he could just get out. But after the fact, so I, I made a status about it. And I think my Facebook friends are a microcosm of the world. Mine aren't. 
And I'm selective. So, you know, I had some Facebook friends that said things like, oh, we should wait for more evidence. We don't know everything about this yet. But the thing that was really, really troubling to me was the whole notion that Alton Sterling was a felon. So pretty much they tried to justify killing him, the assassination of Alton Sterling because of his criminal history. And so let's be extra, extra clear here. Extrajudicial killing is never okay justice justice should never come at the hands of a police officer no unless his or her life is in imminent danger which i think is just so loose at this point like so many everybody's always in danger apparently like my attitude is if you feel like you're that much and if if that's how you feel if you fear us that much you need to work somewhere else well well, see i think that's part of the and this is what I'm trying to get Roxborough, North Carolina to see about implicit biases. Mm. And the Department of Justice is also trying to get police departments to, to see these things because s- some people have, because of stereotypes, generalizations, past experiences, they have these notions and ideas and theories in their in their mind, in their brain. And that leads them to do things that they may just be doing subconsciously, you know. I don't know. Maybe those officers said, "Hey, I know I can't be Alton Sterling. Like I so know I can't be. Die? I know I can't be Call him. So, so I'm I'm fearful for my life. You know. Call for backup. I, it it kind of goes back to the whole thing about about Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman. <sighs> Please. In the in the essence of the defense's case, and you know we can definitely explore this at another time if you want or something but the crux of their case was that george zimmerman feared for his life if he's feared for his life he should have carried his happy behind home and waited for the police officers to get there i don't have time for this argument but but listen yes he he feared for his life at that moment yes we know that his actions led him to be in that point but once once he was in that point and his head was hit against the sidewalk. They found that to be just cause for self-defense because That's he dumb. felt like he was in imminent danger. He should have gone home. But this is also my attitude for all of your Facebook friends who are like, we need more evidence. Somehow, when a gorilla gets killed, you don't need any more evidence. Maybe, maybe if Philando Castile and Alton Sterling had been wearing a gorilla suit, they would they would be okay with they they wouldn't be okay with this. They would be all Black Lives Matter, Black Lives in gorilla suits matter. I just I don't have time for that. Like there's video and you you're talking about we need to wait for more evidence. What are you waiting for? A police statement? You know they have forever and a day to get that through to make up whatever they want. Oh yeah, interesting tidbit once again. Louisiana does have the law enforcement officers bill of rights, much like we talked about was the issue in Baltimore with, with the case, the Freddie Gray case, Louisiana has it. And doesn't Louisiana have it for like 30 days? I believe so. Like the, the incident happens and the police officer does not have to talk to an investigator for 30 days. Let me try recalling what I did 30 days ago with accuracy. Are you kidding me? I mean, if anything, it gives them time to corroborate their story. Right. Make sure everybody's on the same page. No, I just, like I said, I have so few words that don't come from a place of anger. So few. Okay. So you bought up Philando Castile. Right. I woke up. Well, it was Tuesday night when Danielle haunted me (laughs) with the Alton Sterling case. I did not so all day Wednesday, that was really on my mind. So Thursday morning, I wake up and I have a text message from one of my friends in Memphis. And the only thing he said was it happened in Minnesota. That was it. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> open up your Twitter, open up CNN. And so then I find a video of a young lady. She goes by the name Lavish Reynolds. 
uh, I forget her. I didn't watch this video name. either. Either, but like, she's in her car or in a car, and her boyfriend is there with blood all over his chest, so sad. and he starts moaning, and so, so she sad. starts recounting and recalling the entire scenario. So she says. Mr. Officer, you asked him for his wallet and he told you that he was a license to carry a concealed weapon. And he told you that he, he warned you about that. And he also told you, hey, my, my wallet is in my back pocket. When he reached for his wallet, you shot him. And so during this video, Just, ah! du- du- during this video, and she said you shot him four or five times. So during this video. He's still alive initially. Like he's moaning. Which is why I cannot watch videos like this. Like, and then, I just, it and then spirit. And then she realizes that he is now deceased. And so she starts freaking out a little bit. And you know Naturally. Then the troubling thing for me was so the entire time the police officer's there with his gun, cursing. His gun is still pointed on Philando. He I just can't. I just. And so then they ask her to get out of the car. And honestly, at For this what? point, at this point, I didn't even know that I, I, I heard another voice, but I, it didn't really dawn on me that there was a child in the car as well, a four-year-old child. Yeah, I heard. Her and daughter. so it was really, this is really kind of like groundbreaking what lavish did you know she went live on facebook she didn't just record it she went live on facebook and so people were watching and tuning in as this was unfolding then they they pull her out of the vehicle her daughter out of the vehicle they tell her to hold her hands up and walk backwards to them and so she she's showing like she she has the camera up and like showing her walking backwards and then they handcuff her and put her in a police car For- with, with her daughter. I'm so done. But I'm really, really surprised that they allowed her to keep her, her phone while she's in the back of a police car. And like I said, I'm I'm not really an emotional person. And this but, is for but, a taillight? Yeah, he was originally stopped for a minor traffic violation, a busted taillight. But what really was troubling to me while she's in the car, her daughter says, "It's okay, mommy. I'm right here with you." Like, Look, like a four-year-old. Since when are our children comforting us like adults? Like the amount of wherewithal you have to have to comfort someone in that way at four years old is out of control like and this is this is what i'm talking about and this is why so many people i know have been blocked in like the past like couple of days couple of weeks like danielle are you really scared if you were to get pulled over by the police officers honestly maybe i might not be particularly too scared but for my brothers absolutely but it's not just like they're not only killing black men i mean a taillight. Anything can turn into death. I, I mean, don't forget Sandra Bland ended up dead over not using a signal. Right. Like, it's... Yes. Like, there's actual reason to fear when you are being pulled over. Anything can result in your death at this point. Right. CDs, cigarettes, broken taillight. Like hoodie and skittles like the list goes on and on for these minor things and like if you're that scared don't engage don't engage like if you're that scared of people don't pull them over for a broken taillight that's just right. I, I just i can't i i cannot and the history of policing in this country it verifies this. Like, this is not something new. Well, you it's know, not new. Yeah, you know, police, modern day police departments are derivatives of slave patrols. You know, that's what they are. Like, let's just call a spade a spade. You know, the police were never there to protect and serve. They were there to make sure that incidents like Nat Turner's Rebellion. To enforce. That John Brown and suppress. Harper's Ferry. Yeah, police departments were designed 
in America to, to ensure that those types of things never happen again. But really quickly before we pivot, like with Philando, Philando Castile, the fiance and the daughter were placed in the back of the police department, back of the police car, and they were taken to the precinct. But guess what happened to the murderer? Didn't he get like checked on or something? Like yeah, he got first aid. For what? But but the entire time Philando was in that car, they never rendered any first aid. Because they didn't see him as a human being and he they didn't see him as deserving life. Unbelievable. It's, it's despicable. Ass- it's asinine. It's ludicrous. It's preposterous. And like this is the thing for everybody who who's listened to us for some time now. We usually like spit facts and like <laughs> get, give you all sorts of history, but just like I know me personally, and I know Coop. Like we're just not in that place right now. It's I mean, just, we, like, we are spitting facts. I mean, we are, but I'm just saying, like, I'm not here saying like this percentage of this is that. I'm. This is like I'm spitting facts, but it's like raw emotion. I'm. I'm really trying not to cry (laughs) like right now and it's because it's so painful and it's so hurtful and there's so many people who just don't care and so we've talked about gun gun control before and I think that it's really interesting that both persons had guns recently and there's a really great article that I read from the Atlantic. Nerdgasm. Nerdgasm, yes. So even though I'm not going to sit here and go through everything that I learned from it, I really invite everybody to go read this article called The Second Amendment, Second Class Citizens by David Graham. It's in the Atlantic. And it basically, Graham walks you through the history of black America's relationship with the Second Amendment. Basically starting with slavery, as Coop talked about, down to what we described during episode four, where Governor Ronald Reagan at the time signed a bill into law that took away the right to, it took away rights of open carry privileges in the state of California in response to the Black Panther Party patrolling their own communities while brandishing firearms. It's, it gives you an understanding of why when people particularly white people holler about second like second amendment freedoms they are not talking about it in relation to black people because this man mr castile was killed even though he was licensed to carry and notified the officer of his gun like he was doing exactly what they say we're supposed to be doing and national rifle association where are you so where are you at well, they did decide to release a statement about the Dallas. Of course officers, they did. But they didn't release a statement about the Pulse nightclub shooting. They're not they're not going to release a statement about anybody that's not in their pocket already. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, these are two black men. The NRA, they don't care about these groups of people. They will. It's just a thing. That's why I struggle with the whole idea of taking it in from the inside. Like... That is not their objective. These people, he's carrying a firearm, he's licensed. And even with Alton Sterling, like the store owner said that he carried a firearm because he feared for his life. Isn't that kind of the, isn't that what people holler about all the time with the Second Amendment? It's like carrying a gun because they want to be able to protect themselves. Like, I just, I'm not here for for it. And I don't understand why the Second Amendment does not apply to these two men. And I don't understand why the National Rifle Association is absolutely ignoring them. And especially Philando Castile's right to possess a firearm. So I tweeted Donald J. Trump, but he didn't respond. He's but, not going to. He's but, trash. But you remember in response to the Pulse nightclub shooting, he said... The only good thing that will stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. But in this and, case, and, Philando Castile is, is the, the good, good guy. guy with the gun. He's the good guy and with still, the gun. And it still didn't protect like, his life. How how fair is it that he's like how abhorrent is it that he's executed for exercising his constitutional rights? Well, I'd argue that it's not necessarily his constitutional right. We had this conversation in the past. I'm just saying, I'm using the argument. 
under under certain people's interpretation. Whatever. So a little bit more background um, about Philando Castile before we pivot again. Minnesota is also another one of those states that has the law enforcement officers bill of rights. So how long do they have? I'm not sure how long they have in Minnesota. I it's usually find roughly around 10 days though, right? So we'll yes. just use that as kind of a rule of thumb. Yes. Roughly 10 days. I just, and then Louisiana has that like blue lives matter bill that was just passed. Right. Correct. I just, I feel like I don't even, I don't even know how I feel. Honestly, there's so many emotions. Yeah. So we're going to give you some solutions that we can kind of talk about some of these, uh, some of this legislation. Right. But bef- before we, before we give solutions. Yeah. Before we go. Can ahead. we talk about all the things that I'm not here for real quick? I'm not here for anybody who's talking about black on black crime. Let's, let's rename it what it is. It's like proximity crime. Whomever you are closest to are the people that you're more likely to commit crimes against. People are lazy inherently. You want interracial crime? Integrate society. (laughs) Like, I mean, let's be real. I'm not here for people who say not all policemen. That's that's pretty much understood. Nobody here, I'm not, it is not my purpose to say that all policemen are inherently bad. These people do put their lives on the line for a lot of people every single day. But... (laughs) If not all policemen are not standing up against those who do, then there is an inherent problem with policing. If you are not, if you are a police officer that's not standing up to and saying that, hey, there, there, there's a problem with some policemen and we are working and actively trying to solve this problem, then you're silent. Silence makes you complicit with the problem so your silence is consent it, it is so, so i'm not here but, for that use but there was one police woman who went viral this week she did go viral i saw that nakia jones like sh- she spoke up and you know she did say hey we have to stop killing ourselves like put the guns down but she also called out the police officers as well like she went she went live on facebook but She's also suspended right now. I did hear that. And and I'm not saying that you need to, everybody needs to make a video. I'm saying this can be done in house. Like this, these can be, these can be structures that are created in house. And I'm just, I'm so sick of the black on black crime but it, ideology. Okay. Because this is my issue. Next time somebody comes hollering to me about ISIS, I'm going to tell them that white people need to stop killing themselves first. And then we'll talk about ISIS. So when white on white crime ends, then I'll worry about ISIS because really, you know, people in America, you're more likely to be killed by somebody living next door to you than you are someone across. I mean, I'm going to just say that ISIS is an issue. I understand that, but I'm, and, and I'm saying we can be focused on both. I can be focused on creating solutions to decrease crime in black communities and demand that people who wear the blue uniform stop killing us in the streets. Just like white people. Hey, stop killing each other. Hey, you could also figure out what's going on with ISIS. Like, you can do both at the same time. People can chew and walk gum. Uh, chew and walk gum. <laughs> you can walk and chew gum. Obviously, you can't. <laughs> but so I really like us to look into this ISIS thing in the future as well. No, absolutely, we but do. It's, they've turned up over the last week of Ramadan. Hundreds of people were killed through different terrorist bombing various countries it is no i'm not saying that it's not tragic i was just trying to like make a parallel another thing that i'm not here for is not all white people look it's the same thing that when i'm talking about with not all policemen if you are not if you are silent you are complicit you are consenting that's all i got to say on that all lives matter bye boo i'm done it's, it's understood that all lives matter. But the problem is that black lives are the ones that are in crisis right now. You focus on what's in crisis. When you go to the doctor and you have a broken bone, your doctor doesn't say, but you know, all of your bones matter. So we're going to start with all of your bones 
And then we'll eventually get to that broken toe or broken elbow that you have. No, I just can't. If you if you have hashtag All Lives Matter blocked, all of this, any but of this, why black why do you crime, why do you block, block why do you block these not people? all policemen blocked? Why do you block them? Because I've watched so many people try to reason, and I am not going to reason for my humanity. And unless you, I have I have had people come to me with genuine questions. I will answer those genuine questions. But I am not going to do battle with you over social media when you're not here to listen to me in the first place. Because what I'm saying right now is not new. Open up Google. President Obama just talk, gave an analogy for Black Lives Matter and why it's not all lives matter. Do your research. It's not that hard. People who want to know, they know. People who don't want to know, they don't want to know. And if you don't want to know, you are inherently violent to my presence. And I'm blocking you. So... I've also seen some stories this week. And, you know, one thing that Jesse Williams really, really talked about last in his humanitarian acceptance speech was how police officers tend to find ways to disarm. Um, de-escalate. De-escalate, et cetera. Basically not kill white people. When the suspect or the person that they encounter um, is Caucasian. White. But when they uh, when they look like me. Black. They typically don't have, they aren't afforded the same opportunities. We're the scary Negro population. So, so. Duh. I, I saw a number of stories this week about mm-hmm. people fighting the police. Yeah. Um, Sometimes grabbing police's weapons, sometimes pulling weapons on police. Yep. And they never ended up being killed. Raw Story has a phenomenal article featuring eight What's times. What's the name of it? You know the name uh, of it? I'm blanking on the name of it. But okay. it's the, I know the website is Raw Story. So if you go there and kind of like look up like. They're reputable. So Yeah. yeah. So Raw Story has an article about it. It basically features eight times where white people brandish guns in the presence of of police, even pointed guns at police and somehow survived to tell. I mean, survived to tell the story. This is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not saying that white people should be killed when they brandish guns at police. I'm not saying that. I'm not advocating for that. What I am advocating for, if they can do it, then we should be able to do it as well. So, not do like brandish guns. I'm saying if you can figure out how to de-escalate a white person, you can figure out how to de-escalate a black person. Well, you know, that was kind of the argument last summer with the Charleston shooting. Right. Um, you, oh, my God. You know, they bought that boy Burger King. Burger King. And then they flew him back. Because they see him as human. We are being shot like dogs in the street and left. Worse than dogs in the street. I don't know what we're being shot like. Fleas. Okay. Salamanders. So, so last night. Alligators. They ain't care about them gators. Hashtag save the gators. <laughs> last night, there was a peaceful protest. Very in, peaceful protest. In Dallas. And subsequently, a shooting started. And 11 police officers were shot. Five of them are now deceased. Which is truly unfortunate. I don't, that's not what anybody wants. And I want to kind of just kind of talk about that for a second. So one thing, the some say they possibly had a sniper rifle since we haven't been using the name of shooters in the past. I don't think it's appropriate to start today. I don't think we should either. Um, they he, they he, are identifying him as a sniper though. Yeah, he, he is a veteran, served in Afghanistan. He's a black man. Allegedly, during the, the negotiations, he said that he was upset at Black Lives Matter. He was upset with the recent shootings. He wanted to kill white people, specifically white police officers. Which not all of the police officers who were killed were. I think there was like a white non-Hispanic I mean, a, uh, not all of the police officers who were shot were not white, non-Hispanic police officers. 
Right. So subsequently, we see a couple things uh, that's a little bit different. Oh, smidge. Just a smidge. Did you mention where he served? Uh, He served in Afghanistan. Okay. So, number one, the NRA has released a statement. Oh, yes, they have. Finally. Oh, my goodness. Yay. Mm. What did they release a statement about? It was (laughs) expressing anguish. Over the five police officers that were killed. Which is... But, you know, I I find it funny that people want to talk about, like, they want to protest for the police officers now, which is definitely an atrocity. It's a tragedy. Oh, absolutely. Like, I I value all people. I love people. As as do I. As do most people. As do almost every person involved in Black Lives Matter. But... They don't want to acknowledge why those people are there protesting anyway. Right. And and the thing about it is like everything that I've seen, and this is where you get blocked again, is people saying, oh, well, you see what you guys have, you know, raised up. And so now cops are dying because of Black Lives Matter, not understanding why Black Lives Matter exists in the first place. Like if we didn't have state sanctioned executions then we wouldn't have a need for for a Black Lives Matter protest and then you wouldn't have people feeling the way that they feel and then you wouldn't have these five cops who unfortunately were killed. And it's it's so sad, but I just it, it, so have what's, to understand the change. What's really, really sad for me is I think, so number one, what a lot of people probably don't know, in Virginia, the nation of Islam is considered a gang. Oh, really? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, it's considered a gang. So, apparently, the shooter um, had an affinity for Elijah Muhammad. Mm. Um, and and so, they, they're trying to really draw these parallels now and um, say, this is possible how this guy's radicalized. This is what I'm concerned about. Where are our discussions about this man's mental health the possibility of since he's served in afghanistan for him having ps ptsd everybody else wants to talk about mental health every time a white person goes off and kills everybody they want to talk about his mental health let's talk about his mental health so i'd argue that um, instead of talking about radicalization that he may not even have ptsd i'd argue that you know the american uh, psychology association has not officially Put added this term, but it's called CTSD, which is um, continuous traumatic stress disorder. So okay. PTSD is post traumatic. So they try to say, hey, it's like one event that kind of triggers you. But I'd argue that a lot of people, specifically black males in America, have CTSD. Mm. And so if any of you all want to do some research, I'm happy to recommend some 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 men for you. Um, you know, just give me credit when you get published. That's oh all. Oh my goodness! But it possibly having CTSD because it does something to your psyche to see these things over and over and over. And so I remember when I was a kid, my parents and my grandparents wouldn't allow me to see certain things right. because they didn't want it to enter my subconscious. Mm-hmm. And like my mom. She wouldn't even allow me to play games that like shooter games, Mm -hmm. first person shooters, because she said, hey, she didn't want to like desensitize me to the act of killing. But now these things have become like our new normal. You know, it's almost like, I mean, this year we've had almost 600 people killed by police. And, so, and now everybody wants to suspend their campaigns. Hey, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. But especially, what's up, Hillary? Like, now you suspend your campaign? Nearly 600 people have died this year? And, and now this is the issue? Now we're in a state of emergency? What were what type of state were we in before this? Yeah, it, you know, I, they, they I'll go off. They only, up, Hillary? They're only At suspending me. their campaigns because of the oh, their Dallas. campaign events, not the actual Because of campaign. Dallas. But yeah, they're only like, because we're in a state of like, miss me with that. But, but Hillary, you're messing up. Y'all, y'all keep playing with me. Keep playing. With, I'm. I really. I'm really trying not to stay home in November. I'm really trying. It's not 
that hard. So I, I, I think this is a perfect segue into solution. So, you know, we hear a lot about how certain laws affect us. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, we we always hear about, you know, it's it's like it's become so cliche, like, oh, you have to go vote. But so many people don't know what they're voting for. No. Nope. And or who a- they're voting for. And after they vote, they don't know how to hold their elected official accountable. Here's looking to you, Brexit. And <laughs> all the people who didn't know what the EU was after they <laughs> voted to leave. Oh, yeah. So. Side note, I did see something on Twitter the other day. It didn't go on a much steam, Mm -hmm. but it was Blexit, B-L-E-X-I-T. Which is? Uh, Black people exiting America. Where are we going? We're hated internationally. Like, not only are we a nation that's basically been built on genocide, thievery, malice, but black people aren't really welcome anywhere. Tell, Tell me where are we going? So, is there is there like a an island somewhere so that's saying, actually chapter two from Derek Bell's um, Faces at the Bottom of the Well? Go read it. Check it out. Nerdgasm. So you're saying that uh, the race relations are poor globally. They're trash. Okay. Have you, have you been out of the country? <laughs> yes, I have. Thank oh, okay. you. Multiple I, times. I was just asking. He was coming for me. Tried it. No, I wasn't. <laughs> so solutions. Let's talk about number one i mean let's let's just kind of talk about just voting for a second right so sure you can go out and vote for hillary clinton i hope but jokes if you if it's your pleasure if you vote for someone else for president actually what value does that really like how much will that really affect our day-to-day life i mean a lot honestly like I, i i understand i know where you're going with this but the president has a huge amount of power. If they didn't have a huge amount of power to affect our day-to-day lives, we wouldn't have a president. So we do need to vote, but I do understand where you're going with this in terms of like what is actually more important. But the president does have like an abs- like an absurd amount of power. Like what? Executive orders, enforcing. Let's not go back and say like the Supreme Court can judge while they want to, but if the the United States military or the president doesn't enforce it, it doesn't happen. It Historically, it just, it doesn't happen. So the, that's the executive branch. So let, let's just talk Which about- Which is headed by the president. Right. So let's talk about really briefly about some of these laws or some laws that we could potentially uh, ask for. Okay. There so, are some out there. Number one, let's just talk about- the Law Enforcement Officers Bill of Rights. Okay, so, that's got to go, bro. That's got so to I, go. So I think there's like 14 states has it now. Virginia has it. They, it's got to go. Minnesota has it. Louisiana has it. Maryland has it. So if one wanted to change this law, what would you recommend they do first? Well, first and foremost, you have to get in contact with your local officials. You have to lobby. You have to working in groups basically saying or i mean if you even if you don't create your own group find somewhere else there are lobbyists everywhere send in send in letters show up at the office call make what you feel to be absolutely known but wait let me backtrack first educate yourself on what it is that you have a problem with because the first thing that i know can happen is you if you don't educate yourself on the on these issues or you're trying to get rid of that and you call up there and you don't know what you're talking about they're not going to listen to you so educate yourself first and then start knocking down on on doors making phone calls lobbying Making sure that you hold your elected officials accountable, but do so in large groups so they know that it's not just one person. Strength in numbers. Absolutely. Because if it's just you, they're likely to ignore you. If you show up at their office with 20 people with a promise that if they you don't have time for negotiations, we'll show up next week with 60 people, you're going to start making some change, making some type of notice. I think that oftentimes people feel like, hey, I'm young. I, I can't vote yet. You know, I know we have some young listeners. Um, shout out to Miss Green's class. Hey, kids. Shout out to the guys for on on uh, on Madden and, and NBA 2K with me. You all have power, too. So let's just think about this for for example. Right there in Baton Rouge, one of the top football players 
college football programs in the country. Right LSU. There. LS who? But <laughs> LSU, Louisiana so, State University. So let's just imagine if, and I'm sure a good number of their state legislators probably are LSU alums in Louisiana. Let's just imagine if some of the top football players in the country say, hey, I would go to LSU, but not going to go there while you have law enforcement officers bill of rights. I mean, that's that's definitely something. But those pe- persons who can do that are going to be from a position of privilege. If you're just trying to make it to school but and you I don't mean, have no way I, to get to school. I mean, if you're a top player in the country, you can go to any school. Like, oh, OK. I understand that. But not everybody. I'm. I, I, I'm talking about the athletes because you know these kids coming if out of high school. If you're a top school, player, I mean, but, I mean, I mean, these high school kids have you know three, four thousand Twitter followers, and, and they have some power. I'm just saying, like, imagine how that could affect the economy there. If LSU has a bad football team, Baton Rouge is in trouble. Yeah, that's true. Money. And not only that, you know, professional athletes. What if, What if LeBron said he's not going to? Let's move on. But what if LeBron said two years ago, hey, I will, I'll come back to the Miami Heat if you all, if the state of Florida gets rid of stand your ground law. Like, these people have power. They you know, do. Like, like, we see Beyonce, like, now she has accumulated so much power and influence, and now she's using it. So, young people... We yeah, need but you as that well. makes sense. Yeah, but for the average young person who's not a five star recruit, yeah, I mean, they can still do things as well. I'm, I'm, I was just giving using oh, that as an example. Okay. I was like, that but makes sense. yes, you can still write your legislator. You can still go to meetings. You know, your presence alone is definitely impactful. So just, we need to organize as much as possible and put yourself in contact with people who are organizing and know how to organize. And making sure that you show up and you follow through. Don't just be upset now and then, you know, as we always do, something else is going to sweep the media news and forget about it. It has to be, you have to understand that this is a long struggle. <laughs> like, yeah, you have so, to be in it but, to win it for the long haul. But I something I've noticed among millennials, like, we do have a short attention span, we right? We do, and that's and, why and, nothing's happening. And unfortunately, like, a lot of us put all of our eggs in one basket with like the George Zimmerman case or the Darren Wilson case or the officers, Eric Garner. And so a lot of people are now quite cynical saying, Oh, nothing will change anyway. So, you know, why, why will I really get emotionally involved? You know, a lot of people are, they're trying to find ways to, to cope themselves, uh, which not saying that it's okay, but that's what they're doing. So, okay, we talked a little bit about voter accountability and voter participation. We plan to have an episode on that before the election. But what about, we also need to find some people to run for office. Like, we need some good people that will actually run. And then for us to funnel money into them, because if you don't donate, they can't win. Just run. Someone can't run and then it be done. And you just plan to show up at the voters, you know, go out volunteer to make it if you can't make a donation help these people win don't just have promote a candidate and then just be like oh i'll see you at the ballot box it doesn't work like that you need to dedicate time and money and especially for our high school students or our middle school students you better rack up on them community service hours so simple absolutely so last year we really heard president obama talk about the crux of the black community has always been the church. And so I think it's time for us, you know, my, my friend talked about last night on a conference call about how we really need to start holding these pastors accountable. Oh, absolutely. You know, he said that, Hey, they have, uh, you know, some of the, the majority of them have hundreds, but some of them have thousands every week, sometime twice a week, sometimes three services a day, etc. You know, they, they have a lot of, they have access to a lot of people. Now, while we may not want you all to specifically talk about candidates, I will appreciate if you all talk about issues because we've seen them talk about issues in the past. Oh, absolutely. Abortion, same-sex marriage, stem cell research. But we, we are very, very quiet now 
on issues that are plaguing the community. And that's something that I know is really important to me in a church. And I feel like if you are a person, whatever faith that you have, if your leader is not willing to address these types of atrocities in front of their congregation, you might, in my opinion, need to find a new church. Because at the end of the day, there needs to be, a lot of people go to church for self-care. And they go for the purpose of taking care of themselves and and finding a better way to live. And, you know, whatever it is that you go for church for. We cannot separate our outside lives. I can't separate my outside life from my personal spiritual life. And right. if my pastor does not speak on it, he, if, if he didn't speak on it, he wouldn't be my pastor for long. Yeah, so I'm not telling you all to, move ju- to, to just go quit your church. I'm not. But, I know people are saying But we are that. telling you all to, hey, pull them to the side, tweet them, email them, say, hey, what can we do? Like, we want you, like, I want to be more involved. And so what are you going to do to help me get there? Because at the end of the day, they also work for you. And if it's something that you're passionate about, I think that you should be able to to voice it to them. And if you need help articulating it to your pastor, we're here to help. It ain't no free lunch. Always. I kind of feel weird asking if if we ate today. I'm not sure it's necessarily appropriate. Uh, You know, I feel like. This conversation was therapeutic to me. It really was. Because. I needed it. I still. This week. And those videos. Kind of made me reflect. Even more so on. My incident with the Roxborough Police Department. Mm -hmm. And how. Here we are. 12 days later. And they still haven't responded to my questions. Mm. And it tells me a lot about the culture of that department and what they will and won't do. And I can honestly say that that could have been me. Philando Castile, from what we know, did everything right. Yeah. And and he was still murdered in his seatbelt. I am trying to find a way to heal personally. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Pray my strength for the Lord. <laughs> but on a serious note, yeah, this has been therapeutic for me. So. It's it's just, it's scary for me, honestly. I think all the people that I love and I hold dear, I, I do have friends of all sorts of, you know, races and backgrounds, but my family, they're black people. And it terrifies me to think about that this could happen to any of them. It could happen. It could happen to me. And the way that things are being handled, like people, they just, they don't care. They don't, you know, care. And it's so scary because nothing gets changed that way. I wrote a, I wrote an article a few years back for the Virginian pilot. And it was entitled Hurt People, Hurt People. And in this country right now, there are a lot of hurt people. And unfortunately, that makes us all more vulnerable. And I hope that this episode will be a step in the right direction to healing someone, including myself. So. You know, I feel like if if we help turn someone's life around and get a different perspective on it, as kind of harness some of that negative energy, then I'll be able to say that I ate today. And you know, I was on Facebook and wrote the status, and there was there was a man he wrote on my status the other day, and honestly, Mister Nash was your version of a troll when he was my client. Like mm-hmm. I worked at the prison. And so he wrote on the status about that he was a nine-time gangster. You know, he's he's been in trouble pretty much all of his life. Blocked. Why is he blocked? Oh, he's talking about himself. Yes. Oh, yeah. he's talking about someone yeah. else. Yeah, he, he was talk. 
He was talking about, hey, Mr. Kuba, I was a nine-time oh, gangster. Okay. But you saw something in me and, like, you pushed me even when I didn't want to be pushed. And, like, now I'm out here. He said, you know, I still have a long ways to go, but I'm crime-free. I'm drug-free. I'm a law-abiding citizen. And so that, not that I needed any accolades from him, but it did feel good to say, hey, the work wasn't in vain. And I think that's just a microcosm of mm-hmm. what we can do here at Ain't No Free Lunch. So yeah. you all tell us today if we ate. Yeah. Uh, and I I don't want to conclude this with saying stay safe because obviously everybody would stay safe if they had a choice in that matter. Um, but I think we're just going to end it with you. you have to do what you need to do to retain your joy in this type of situation. Mm-hmm. Keep on keeping on. Work towards solutions and do what you can. And to, we love y'all. Yeah. So much. So oh, much. And one announcement. Danielle won't be with me for the next two weeks. No, I will be gone. She'll be out doing research. But we still going to come with some episodes. We have some surprises for you. So please tune in. And try not to hate on the my replacements too much, guys. I'll be back in two weeks. I promise. I promise. She hopes. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Wow. I think we should end it with that. (laughs) Talk to y'all soon. All right. Bye-bye.